Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema! So it is the month of December 2022 and is once again that very special time in the month wherein we do our very special Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. Uh, and in joining me in this endeavor, I have my good buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? It's going great. I mean, it's a, a great time of the year for physical media, whether you're getting it gifted to you, whether you're using gift cards that were gifted to you to buy it. I mean, it's just a, it's it's the most wonderful time of the year for a collector. So I'm, I'm glad to be here and talk about some of these new releases. Oh, yeah, this should be a good one. Uh, I scanned uh, the month's releases, and it looks like a little bit of an uneven month. Um, but, uh, dear listener, if you're not familiar with the uh, episode format of a Catching Up on Blu-ray episode, essentially what Brad and I are going to be doing today is taking a look at the physical media release calendar. Uh, so that would refer to DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4K discs. And we're just going to go week to week and talk about any particular releases that stand out to us for whatever reason. Um, so if you'd care to follow along with the home version of Catching Up on Blu-ray, you can do so by navigating to the lovely website of Blu-ray.com and then head to the release dates page and just navigate to December 2022. And also, if you're not familiar with how this works, uh, traditionally... Uh, physical media, media releases occur on Tuesdays of each calendar week, so we'll be sure to call out the dates as we go. Um, but before we do that, Brad, uh, you did mention uh, it's the holiday season, gifts were exchanged, gift cards were given out, many gift cards in some cases, <laughs> and hopefully redeemed. Um, so I'm curious, Brad, uh, this holiday season, did you did you happen to get any uh, Blu-rays gifted to you? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, I generally, when I, because uh, I actually have a birthday and Christmas in oh. December, so I really can load up on physical media releases. So generally <laughs> when people ask, oh, do you have any ideas of what I can get you? You know, I generally, I'll pick out a major release or something, something easy. You can walk into your Best Buy or your Walmart and pick it up. Um, you know, I'm not, uh, saying, how about you give me this vinegar syndrome title or this Kino really? No, I'm not doing that. But, um, I did get, uh, let's see. My girlfriend Lizzie did give me Top Gun Maverick on 4k, which is one that I had told her that I wanted. I held off on buying that on my own. Cause I was like that one, there's a good chance I'll get that gifted to me because I made it clear how much I love it. Also, I was double gifted. Uh, I was double gifted. Uh, nope, one of my favorite movies of the year. Nope, I, I must have made it very clear um, that I loved that as well. So I did receive two copies of Nope. I'll have to return one of them for something else. And then um, let's see. I did also receive Smile, Smile, which was a, a release that just came out this month, I believe. Um, but smile got that on 4k. So, you know, a nice, uh, nice collection of, uh, recent 2022 movies to, uh, add to the shelf. Yeah. Wow. Uh, some quality titles in there. You didn't yeah. end up with an ugly sweater Blu-ray. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm referring to there is, you know, it's some, some offbeat title that's obviously from the Walmart bargain bin. That's like, how did you think I would want this <laughs> um but no those are all quality picks and uh correct me if i'm wrong brad was nope a five out of five for you it was and i 
have been waiting to rewatch it until uh, getting a, the 4K, and I will be rewatching it. And I mean, it would have to be an insane dip in quality on a rewatch to jump off of my top 10 list of the year. So pretty much guaranteed to be in my top 10 of the year. So I can't wait to uh, check it out on 4K. Yeah, I haven't seen any of those, actually, but I do hear very good things about all three of those titles, um, and I'd very much like to watch all of them. But um, uh, in regards to your uh, December birthday, um, in the in the words of the great Wayne Campbell, I was not aware of that. <laughs> but uh, I'm not trying to make belief. this a thing about me. I just it just came up. I'm not trying to be you know. I'm not I'm not doing that. It, it was very organic. But you know, regardless, happy birthday if it if it already happened. Uh, happy belated birthday. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, uh, and as for myself, uh, I only received uh, two Blu-rays uh, this this Christmas. Um, both uh, from my regular co-host on Catching Up on Cinema, Kyle. Uh, he got me, uh, the he got me Labyrinth on Blu-ray, um, which is uh, the Jim Henson film uh, starring David Bowie and uh, Jennifer Connelly. Uh, I actually haven't seen it, and that's why he got it for me. He was like, "You should see this because it's very important to him," uh, and like pretty much an entire generation. Honestly, like there's a lot of people that really, really love that movie, and I've never seen it. Um, and also, he got me. A, a pick that I have to assume his brother Nick probably told him to get for me because this was very out of character for Kyle. This reeked of Nick. So Nick, if you're listening, I'm on to you. Uh, he got me Stone Cold uh, starring Brian Bosworth. Um, now, I'm not sure if that name means anything to you, Brad, but uh, as a born and raised Seattleite, uh, that name carries some sting to it because Brian Bosworth was this college football player that was like this massive acquisition, like one of the most expensive pickups in the NFL history uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. And then he got like clobbered and injured like beginning of the season. And he collected a massive paycheck sitting on the bench. And so the whole town hated him. (laughs) Um, And then I think when he was injured and unable to play, he went off and made shitty action movies. (laughs) Um, And one of them was stone cold. Um, and I'm very, very excited to rewatch that one because I remember catching it on cable back in the day. And ooh, it is it is wild and over the top stupid in some of the best of ways. Um, but yeah, those were the Blu-rays I got uh, for the holiday season. Um, that being said, we should probably head into our exploration of the physical media release date calendar. Uh, so it looks like our first traditional release date this month occurs on the 6th. So December 6th. 2022 uh, and is as is customary with how uh, blu-ray.com organizes their titles uh, typically they front load each week with the 4k titles so the first one out the gate is a doozy uh, we have Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction uh, from 1994 now Brad uh, Tarantino doesn't have an extensive filmography almost all of his movies are very well regarded um, where would you place this one amongst his filmography well, I mean, it used to be when I was younger, it was number one. I think I would say probably it's still, I'd still probably say it's number two for me. I, I think uh, for me, Inglorious Bastards is the one I keep coming back to as his best. Um, but Pulp Fiction, even though, you know, it's been, you know, referenced and parodied and copied to death, I still think it is hugely influential in a great movie um 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is is climbing for me. The more I revisit that one, I really like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But yeah, Pulp Fiction is it's it's a great movie. Uh, it's just one that I think I watched it so many times when I was like in high school that I haven't rewatched it in ages. Just because I feel like I I lived that movie so many times. Um, so that's maybe part of the reason why it dipped a little for me, but I, it's still, uh, it's still, it's still great. Yeah. I, I'm not qualified to, to rank his titles. Um, I have, I have seen all of them, but it's been so long since I've seen the majority of them that they're not, they're not exactly crystallized in my memory. Um, but goddamn, the man knows how to make a movie and Pulp Fiction at least according to my hazy memories of it, is probably one of his better films. Um, Due for a rewatch, obviously. Um, Yeah, Pulp Fiction, its cultural footprint is so goddamn expansive. Uh, It was was a phenomenon, and we're still kind of seeing the ripples of it to this day. Um, You mentioned uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think, like, one of the biggest strengths that that movie has is a f- kind of a funny one like i i referred to it as like a hangout movie mm-hmm. where it's like it, for some reason it's it's very it feels very laid back like the way you take it in like it, it feels like a movie you sink into the couch and just let wash over to wash over you and it, it's a long film and it's a very deeply involved film from a character and a narrative standpoint but it never feels taxing um in ways that similarly constructed or structured films may feel um uh, long story short tarantino knows how to make a fucking film and pulp fiction is probably one of his better efforts um have you heard anything about the specs of this disc not much i just kind of I, I did look at the blu-ray.com review said it's a good transfer not really going to blow you away but I, one thing i would say about uh his early films is that they're they're visually they look they look good but they're not like mind-blowingly you know, like where it would need to be on 4K, um, not something that immediately comes to mind. So, I, I I would upgrade it, but I could see some people saying, you know, being fine with a Blu-ray. Um, but it does sound like there's no issues with the transfer, as far as I can tell. Just not like a they say it doesn't have the wow factor. Well, I, I think you're right from a from a like visual dynamism perspective. Some of his earlier efforts are. Not scaled back, but just not not as dynamic um, as some of his later films, like in terms of their camera setups and their lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is one that I would go out of my way to get on 4K. It's like, why the fuck not? Yeah. Um, so beside that, though, we have a, a 4K that I'm curious if you picked up yet, um, because uh, this movie's great. Uh, I knew of it by reputation, but its reputation uh, was not as... like it wasn't talked up as much as it should have been because this movie kind of blew both my, both Kyle and I uh, away when we first saw it. And that's a black Christmas from 1974. It's getting a 4k from a uh, scream factory, I believe. Yep. Uh, um, have you grabbed this one yet, Brad? I have, and I already watched it. Tis the season. I said, listen, I could wait for this thing to go on sale, but then I'll miss out on the slipcover potentially. So I said, I'm just going to buy, buy, buy. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it looks great. This is one that I do think uh, it's tough to say because uh, first time I watched this film, I watched it strictly on YouTube. It was uh, just streaming on YouTube. And then uh, I have since rewatched it on Shudder. 
but Shutter is uh, only 720p, so I, I have n- never even really watched it in 1080p, and then I just jumped straight to the 4K on this one, and I thought it looked great. Um, I, I think it is a very good-looking film. I like uh, how warm it looks. I like the use of the uh, the, the Christmas lights um, and the contrasting that with the darkness of the the nighttime sequences. I think it looks really good, and uh, yeah, this is a pretty awesome release. I I don't know if there's any new bonus features on it because I think it is a lot of ported over stuff just from the Scream Factory um, Blu-ray. But if you're like me and you didn't buy that Blu-ray, definitely pop on this 4K. And I have to say, I've been loving... Scream Factory has really... I think they've realized their horrible mistakes that they've made in that uh, some of their artwork early on and, you know, their Blu-ray artwork, their newly commissioned Blu-ray artwork is not good. And, I mean, I don't want to be, you know, it's still good, but it's like, I just rather have, I know they always offer the reverse artwork, but this one just putting that classic Black Christmas poster the image of the 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 co-ed with the the bag plastic bag over her head clean nice we don't need any new artwork i like it like that like boom and uh so i I was very happy with that and they're kind of doing that with pretty much all their 4k releases um i know alligator did get a new artwork but that one doesn't have like a specifically memorable poster um but like later in the month we'll see carrie that one has the classic poster like you know when something has an iconic image classic poster we don't need new artwork like go with the classics and i like that they've kind of realized that in their in their 4k era yeah i'm curious if that points to like a cultural trend um in regards to the collection of physical media where it's Mm -hmm. like we're in in the early days like years ago uh was it the the dude designs or whatever um the artists that they would commission to do a lot of their uh, artwork um and just that like cavity colors kind of overblown aesthetic that it almost has like a uh a comic book cover kind of vibe to it where it, like there's a kind of a running gag in the world of comic books where it's like the cover artist and the interior pencil artists are different people yeah. of different calibers of talent <laughs> and generally you 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 pay the big bucks to get the nice cover art so you can get people to buy the thing the interior penciler uh is oftentimes not of the same caliber um and so like they they would take like key moments and actual images lifted from the film and put them big as life and twice as ugly on the cover arts for for these blu-rays but just the aesthetic of it and the the like just the sheer visual fidelity of the image just isn't representative of what the thing is. It's like paying homage to what it is, but it's not actually what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is like a loving tribute to the actual content of the film. But what I'm getting at, like this whole ramble here, <laughs> is, is that I'm curious if this is pointing to maybe film preservation um, being more more of a guiding principle going forward um for like that may be why more people are buying these things these days as opposed to like i don't know buying something that's like oh man the thing or something it's like no i'm buying this because it's like this thing could be gone someday and i I want it as as it currently exists um but yeah I, i i love that they went with the classic poster art for this one and 
I could be wrong, but I think uh, alligator does have like a reversible. Uh, they do slip yeah. cover. Yeah. Um, and I actually do like the original poster art for Alligator. I remember yeah. seeing that in the store when I was a kid. But it's absolutely not a classic. It's just yeah. a nice piece of art. Yeah, it is good artwork. But yeah, it's yeah. you know not something where putting new artwork on it is egregious, I feel like. It's you know? not Jaws, is <laughs> what we're getting at. It's not a Drew Struzon or something. Yeah. But it's good. Um, so beside Black Christmas, uh, which you should definitely pick up if you're at all interested... Um, we have Clerks 3 on 4K, and I believe Blu-ray as well. Uh, this was from 2022. This is directed, of course, by Kevin Smith. Uh, this is the little movie that could, um, the little franchise that could, uh, if you will. Um, have you seen this one yet, Brad? Yeah, I actually just watched it. Um, oh. I watched it on a plane. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I would say that it is a great movie to watch on a plane because it's not good um i'm not the biggest kevin smith fan listen he seems like a great guy but his movies just don't do it for me and this movie i'm not gonna say it's one of his worst but it is shocking to me that this is getting a 4k release because it is so visually uninteresting and it's shot in such a just uh ordinary rote manner that I can't imagine why anyone would, would splurge to buy this on 4k um yeah I don't know I I like the first clerks I remember liking clerks too but this one humor didn't work um they do kind of push the emotional stuff like they push it so hard to a point that it kind of works um but the one thing I also have to say is that the actor who plays Dante, um, nothing against the guy. This is all on Kevin Smith. The guy's not, you know, he's not Al Pacino. He's not Daniel Day-Lewis. And the amount that uh, Kevin Smith asks him to give, like, he should know that this guy is not at that level. <laughs> like, no offense to the guy, but he, like, some of the scenes where he has to emote and cry are real bad. Um, again, that's not on the actor. That's on Kevin. That's on you, Kevin. Um, so, yeah, I would not be picking this one up. Um, but, I mean, if you like the other ones, the emotional stuff kind of works in this. So it's not horrendous, but everything else is probably, I would say, horrendous. Um, so, yeah, it's not not for me. That's Definitely, I was glad to have watched it on a plane. Yeah, folks at home, if you're not aware, uh, Brad has a podcast of his own. It's called the Cinema Speak Podcast, and over there he makes liberal use of a soundboard. Um, and there actually is a dedicated but button for the phrase, it it was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like Clerks 3 would get that treatment uh, were this conversation to be held on Brad's podcast. But um, I haven't seen Clerks 2 or 3. I did watch the first one. In fact, I think we did an episode on it a long time ago. Uh, I think Kyle likes the Clerks films, and he kind of likes Kevin Smith, and I kind of like Kevin Smith too. But I don't love Kevin Smith. Like I, I Kevin Smith reminds me of my dumbass every once in a while, because yeah. you know, um, among the among the like indie directors that were coming up, his contemporaries. It was like Robert Rodriguez, Kevin Smith, and Quentin Tarantino. Like amongst that trio, he was he was the regular guy. Yeah. Like he was the you know, not especially talented, but you know, he had grit 
and and he had a lot of friends. He was very affable. Tarantino was just the raw fucking talent, and Rodriguez was the energy guy. Like mm-hmm. like good God, that that man wore every hat imaginable in the industry, and he, I don't I don't know if he made the right decisions with how to apply that talent over the years, but the the man has talent. But among those three, Kevin Smith was always the most relatable. And I think it's fitting that he was the one that ended up with the weekly podcast where he just hangs out with his fans and whatnot. And he occupies this this interesting corner of the entertainment industry these days where he, his, he is just endlessly enthusiastic. Uh, he has nothing but kind words for every, anyone and everyone he's ever worked with. Um, and for that, I'm thankful we have it. Um, that being said, as a filmmaker, I don't think he's especially talented. Um, but I do think that the topics of the conversations that he was having in his films early in his filmography were exactly like it, it was exactly the right moment for those kinds of films to be being made these days. He's not especially relevant. Although I have to imagine his fan base of people who are roughly his age and roughly living his life circumstances probably still follow him very closely, um, which is probably part of how this gets a 4K release is that if, you know, if all of his super fans buy a copy, they'll make a pretty penny off of that. Um, but yeah, I, I'd be curious to check this out. I don't expect it to knock my socks off or anything, but it's like, you know, hey, we made a movie. I don't, I don't need it to be good. Just the fact that it exists is kind of charming, honestly, <laughs> especially considering they got the original cast members back again. Yeah because their schedule is very packed, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're not reuniting Al Pacino and De Niro here, let's be honest. Um, but, hey, man, uh, Jason Mewes was in House of Wax. <laughs> he yeah, did stuff. Actually, he's not bad. He's actually... and he, But he is at a level where he... like I feel like Kevin Smith didn't ask him to do more than he needed to. But anyway, yeah, I like everything about Kevin Smith except his movies, so... Just yeah, I, I think I think a lot of people would agree with you on yeah. that. Where it's like, I, I don't think he's a remarkable filmmaker, but hey, he seems like a pretty cool guy, and that's kind of cool. But mm-hmm. um, beside that, we have uh, Shaw Scope Volume Two. Uh, this is a large box set from Arrow, uh, collecting Shaw Brothers uh, martial arts films. Uh, I'm not going to go into detail about this, but I will point out that uh, the 36th Chamber of Shaolin is included in this box, which is kind of a big deal, um, as well as the sequel to that. Um, Bouncing on down, though, we have a 4K of Adaptation from 2002, and I'm surprised we're getting this release. Not, Not a film that I would think of as being a, like, candidate for the 4k treatment but it i think a very very good film um would you pick this one up brad (laughs) i i would if i hadn't bought the uh blu-ray just a year or two ago and still haven't watched it so i probably won't um but i've only seen adaptation once and i i like it it's probably on the lesser end of uh charlie kaufman written movies for me um and probably same for Spike Jones directed movies on the lesser end. Um, but no, I, I, I do like it. Uh, I, I've only seen it the one time, so I, I would be wanting to watch it again. I think adaptation is a, is a film that's perhaps more interesting to, to think on and discuss uh-huh. than it is to watch. Um, but for that reason, I, I do think it's a, a worthwhile piece of media. 
uh, not something that I would upgrade if I already had it. I don't have either version of it, but it has actually been on my mind recently. So uh, think about that one. <laughs> uh, we also have uh, in steelbook form uh, a Shutter original, at least I, I believe that's how it's advertised, uh, Mad God from 2021 uh, from director Phil Tippett. Uh, I picked this one up. Uh, this is uh, last time we talked, Brad, I mentioned that I set foot in a brick and mortar Best Buy building uh, (laughs) for the first time in like a decade. And this is what I got while I was there Uh, because I wasn't there to buy movies. I was there to pick up something for my internet, but um, this was a worthwhile pickup. And I did end up watching this uh, only a few days after I bought it. Um, it, It is very much an art film. Um, good luck trying to decipher its meaning um, without the assistance of a commentary or at least like a a placard that you would put next to like a piece of installation art or something that's generally why you have those things next to to the piece of art so people can actually understand what your fucking point is Um, but I just put this one on and watched it I'm really glad that the girlfriend never walked into the room at any point because (laughs) she would probably just be like what the fuck are you watching (laughs) but um as a piece of stop motion media um it's in terms of like frames and in terms of movement it's it's not the most dynamic or smoothest of stop motion you've ever seen uh, you can go ahead and take a look at Leica's uh, filmography if you want to take a look at some like truly mind-blowing like technical stop motion animation <clears throat> but from a design standpoint um this is utterly unique um, and is truly worthwhile simply for that, um, in that there's images contained in it that you simply will not find anywhere else. Um, very, very unique, borderline indecipherable at times, but never never completely dull. Um, I, I, I'm glad I got a chance to watch this, and I'm really glad that Phil Tippett got to make this, because obviously it was important to him. Not entirely sure why, but the um, po- point is the artist got to do his art. And that makes me happy, especially considering uh, he really put his time in uh, in in the industry at large uh, as a special effects and stop motion animator. Um, and so yeah. it's really neat to get to see him do his thing for a change, as opposed to just being a hired hand to you know make Ed two hundred nine go or you know work on Jurassic Park until they didn't need him anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. Brad, have you uh, have you grabbed this one, or have you any plans to see it? Uh, I, I want to watch it. I haven't had the chance to. Um, it came to Shudder at a time when I was uh, unsubscribed, so just haven't caught up to it. But, uh, yeah, I, I do want to watch it. I've Pretty much everything I've heard lines up with what you've said, so I'm not, like, in any huge rush, but I, I do want to check it out just for the, you know, the effects and the design and all that. But, um, yeah, besides that, I've heard everybody say they don't know what the hell's going on um but yeah I, I i do intend to check it out at some point yeah i i don't know if i'd watch it straight through any anytime soon uh but i might actually treat the commentary like a podcast or something um because guillermo del toro and phil Tippett going back and forth talking about the film uh, is something i desperately want to hear because uh, mm-hmm. Phil Tippett, like, despite being a stop motion animator, is actually a, a decent interview. I've seen a decent amount of footage with him, and he's 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 affable. 
Um, and Del Toro, obviously, he's a human teddy bear. I mean, he's just the warmest human being that exists. Um, and of course, he was probably in production on his Pinocchio film um, when they recorded this commentary, I have to imagine. So he'd probably have a lot of insight into the technicals, so they'd be able to talk shop in that way. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to be rewatching this one straight through anytime soon. Um, but beside that, we have a two pack on 4K of uh, 48 hours and another 48 hours. I believe these had been previously released, um, but this is just a two-pack of them. Uh, these are, of course, Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte, uh, both directed by Walter Hill, I believe. Um, we also have uh, Warner Archive Collection's uh, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman from 1958. Uh, not at all similar to Pulp Fiction, but also a film with a very, very vast uh, cultural footprint. Uh, have you seen this one, Brad? No, I haven't, actually. Um, I've heard it's uh, just great. Uh, good campy time though oh yeah it, it is incredibly campy uh, the special effects are utterly laughable even by the standards of the day um, they, there's this weird effect that like as a kid I remember watching this on like cable or something and just being like what is wrong with the movie <laughs> because they're trying to do something where they're like transposing footage of the woman walking around like amidst like supposedly miniature like scenery but they fucked it up and she's semi-transparent really (laughs) and it looks like a flaw in the film like it looks like something is wrong with the movie but it's like no that's just how they decided to render that effect and that's the best they could do apparently and then of course the rest of it is just a big giant rubber hand which of course is a lot of fun um i also saw the remake of it uh from the 90s with a I think it was Daryl Hannah and Daniel Baldwin. Um, okay. Point is, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman is not a good film, but it is a film with a legacy. Um, so, it is what it is. But here it is. Big as life and twice as ugly in 2022. Uh, we also have the individual releases of the 48 Hours films on 4K. Uh, Creep Show Season 3 from Shudder. Uh, have you kept up with Creep Show at all, Brad? No, I don't think I watched any of the third season. I don't think so. I think I watched all of season two, but I didn't watch season three. Yeah, at one point, Kyle uh, had told me I should check it out, although he may have rescinded that that recommendation uh, in your sense, uh, because as far as I know, it's it's very up and down. Like I, I haven't heard it's consistently quality. Yeah, even for an anthology, it's very... I would say it's more down in my opinion. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a few solid entries, but yeah, the fact that I haven't continued it, I think speaks volumes. Yeah. It's very unfortunate, but um, I mean, those, the creep show movies will always have those, or at least the first one and the raft segment from the second one. <laughs> um, weird tangent. Um, Brad, have you seen uh, the shutter original uh, Christmas bloody Christmas? I have not watched it yet um, because I know you guys and many others have uh, covered it and I've been wanting to, uh, but uh, just been busy watching Black Christmas. Um, But I'm hoping I always give myself from I said I'm I'm okay with watching Christmas movies up to New Year's. So kind of hoping in the next couple of days, but I'm also cramming for like end of year stuff. So we'll see, but I have not gotten that one yet. 
Okay, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on it because I've seen very conflicting reports on it. Some people adore it, um, and Kyle and I were not very kind to it. Um, we were both very disappointed to the point that I came within minutes of uh, recording an apology uh, to serve as a prologue for the episode. Uh, like, I did listen to the playback. I mean, I edited the fucking thing, so I know I know what we said, but... I don't know. There, there was a tone to that conversation that, like, actually had me worried, like that I was being unfair to the thing, like I was being overly cruel. I don't know if that's true, um, but I'll just throw that out there that I did have, I did have a feeling that I was being overly mean to that film, and I very nearly accord, like recorded a little something just saying like, eh, didn't mean to be so mean, but it just happened. Sorry, <laughs> but um, the reason I bring it up is because um, something that didn't actually come up during the episode that I did, that did occur to me after the fact was, as a forty-five or forty-minute episode of Creepshow or something. I think it would have been a blast. Mm, mm. Um, but as a feature-length film, I, I, no. Um, but as a, like a 45-minute something or other, just like quick and to the point, I think it could have worked a lot better. That's just my opinion, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving, moving on. Uh, Goddamn, Walter Hill uh, is just getting a lot of releases these days. Uh, we got yeah. the 48 Hours films and then a, a re-re-re-re-re-re-re-release of the warriors because it's been out on blu-ray like five or six fucking times already um beside that though we have amsterdam uh from 2022 on 4k uh this is from director david o russell um now i had heard some shit about this movie brad uh, i got a decent amount of advertising push but you know what i haven't heard a lot good about it do you know do you have any reports on this one brad yeah, um, I saw it. Uh, it was actually, originally it was intended to be a featured review on my show. Um, but I, because, you know, yeah, David O. Russell, you know, he's, he's a pretty prominent director. There was nothing else really coming out that week. Um, but I went and saw it, and I reported back to, I think it was my buddy Matt, who I was going to record with. I, I reported back to him as soon as I saw it, and I was like, abort, abort, don't go, no, don't waste your time. Uh, not terrible i didn't think it was terrible but very forgettable very bland not very funny um i'm not the biggest david o russell fan anyway uh so it is what it is i know a lot of people were really dunking on this one uh and i, I don't know if it totally deserves that um but it is not great and you know not really too surprising that it was a box office bomb um, Christian Bale actually I, I enjoyed him in it though I think he felt like he was the only he felt like he was in a different movie than most other people but I liked the movie that he was in better I wish it was a little bit more at his level so it's maybe worth watching if it's streaming somewhere or you got a free rental uh, for him alone but I, I wouldn't recommend it really to anybody <laughs> Yeah, David O. Russell's an odd one. I haven't seen that many of his films, but there's like an element of pretension that comes with a lot of his films that, that rubs me the wrong way. Like American Hustle is the one that I always come back to, where it just feels like this is some actors doing some acting shit. Like yeah. This is everybody wearing dumb costumes and just taking the material for a walk. At, like at my expense. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and Silver Linings Playbook was very cute. 
Um, but at the same time, it also felt very showy in ways that I felt were it was reaching a bit. Uh, the fighter I, I thought was good, but kind of similar, I guess. Uh, Christian Bale is kind of doing his thing, and the rest of the movie's playing out. But I will say that Melissa Leo uh, was fantastic in that. Um, probably didn't get as much an, enough praise for her performance in that. Marky Mark's funny because he's like the big he's like the big name, and like the movie's kind of supposed to be about him, but he's like the lowest key element in the cast. <laughs> I mean, it's by design. It's based on a real person, Mickey Ward, who is is a low key personality. So I guess he he did it he did it justice. But yeah, David O. Russell's not a favorite of mine, so I I had no enthusiasm for this one, and I probably won't bother with it. Um, but moving on, uh, we have Better Call Saul season six, uh, the night of the iguana, uh, from writer Tennessee Williams and director John Houston, uh, hmm. Warner Archive Collection, nineteen sixty four. Probably a big deal. Probably not going to watch it. Uh, we have Better Off Dead, uh, from nineteen eighty five, starring John Cusack. Uh, some Star Trek stuff. Uh, to Star Trek Discovery season four. God damn, they're up to season four. Jeez. Um. Children shouldn't play with dead things uh, on 4K. 50th anniversary edition uh, from 1973 is the original release date. Um, I know this title, but I can't exactly put my finger on what it is. Brad, uh, do you happen to know what this one is? Um, I I don't. I know some. I remember when it was announced. I was intrigued based on the title, and people were quite excited. Well, I say people. You know, the people commenting on the thing I saw on Facebook were excited, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know much about it. Apparently the, uh, transfer is not great as well. Uh, it did not get high marks. So that's about all I can comment on with this one. Yeah. From, uh, distributor or publisher, a VCI, um, who looks like they specialize in schlock, um, and yeah, uh, 2.5 out of 5 for for image quality. Yikes. Um, just to dispel the mystery, uh, the plot summary is as follows. A movie director and his troop of actor friends vacation on a remote island where they dig up a corpse named Orville and jokingly perform a ceremony to resurrect it. It works. Interestingly, uh, or interesting, Garishly colored zombie makeups and an offbeat counterculture feel make this an interesting curiosity. That doesn't say anything about it being good, though. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, so moving on, uh, we have... um, Actually, I'm going to kick it over to you, Brad, because I see some titles here that uh, you might have something or other to say about. So uh, what jumps out at you next? Uh, I mean, one big one that I won't say much about is Better Call Saul, the complete series. Uh, Disappointing that they didn't do a sort of big, nice collector set. Like, it's pretty standard. But I I was itching to rewatch it, so I I actually did pick that up. And I'm going to be so mad if they do end up releasing this, like, ultra deluxe, incredible, you know, unique box set sort of thing. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, but one I do want to point out, and I don't have much to say about the films, but uh, the Michael Haneke trilogy, uh, which is a Criterion release, and it includes, uh, let's see, The Seventh Continent, Benny's Video, and 71 Fragments of a Chronology of Chance. Don't know 
anything about seventh uh continent or 71 fragments but uh benny's video i actually i really don't know much about that either but um i was uh going through michael haneke's films um not all of them but kind of trying to hit a lot of his big ones uh, a couple of years ago and i got to benny's video and it was like i couldn't find it anywhere and let me just say that you know i couldn't find it anywhere illegally and off the record some of michael haneke's other stuff i had to uh you know rent from the library if you know what i'm saying and the library i couldn't even find that at the library so Benny's video, I was like, what's going on with this? So I was actually very excited when they announced this Michael Haneke trilogy. Uh, I might pick it up, actually, in one of the Criterion sales, because I do like Michael Haneke. I might want to look into the other two films a little bit to see if I'd be interested in them. But, um, yeah, he's a director that I don't love all of his stuff, but uh, when he hits, because I know you guys did Funny Games, right? And, um, oh, what's the other one? Is it? Is it Cache? Is that is that is that him? I want to say there's there's another one of his that is very very good. Um, I never got to I never got to a more. I haven't seen that one. Um, so there's still some that I need to fill in the gaps of, but I I do like him generally. Yeah, uh, Cache with a Juliette Binoche. Uh, yeah, uh, the reason I, I wanted you to talk about this one is because you have mentioned Michael Haneke several times. Uh, I do know that he's a director you're very familiar with. Uh, so this is kind of a big deal. Um, and very similar to you, uh, Benny's Video uh, is a film that uh, has been on my radar for a while. Have not seen it. I know the concept. And after having seen Funny Games fairly recently, like I think within the past year, because we did, Brad was right, we did actually do an episode on it. Um I like I like his sensibilities. I, I understood what he was trying to do with funny games, um, and it was very fascinating to me. And it sounds like Benny's video touches on some similar ideas in a different way, though. Um, so I, I would be interested to check this out. Um, on a completely different note, uh, we also have a 4K release of R.I.P.D. <laughs> yes. Uh, as well as a re-release of Tommy Boy from 1995. Um, moving on down, um, we have a re-release of Iman 3 on 4K. Not sure why that is. Uh, we have the Korean film Alienoid from 2022, which I have seen a trailer for and was like, I have no fucking clue what this is supposed to be. But clearly, uh, the filmmakers have seen uh, an Iron Man film at some point. Uh, <laughs> moving on, uh, we have Nightmare at Noon from 1988 from Arrow. Uh, now I have to ask you, Brad, Old Man, 2022, from RLJ Entertainment, starring Stephen Lang, is this connected to the other movies with Stephen Lang being a scary old man? <laughs> as far as I know, no, I do not believe there's any connection to Don't Breathe. It looks like he is not blind in this movie, from what I can tell, uh, just based on the cover. But, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, he's... He's found his uh his late in career niche, I guess. Um, although I don't want to spoil anything, but he is listed in the on IMDb, so I don't think it's a spoiler. But he this uh this career path might be done for him after uh this guy he's back in Avatar: Way of Water, so he's back, baby. 
Uh, he doesn't need to play old man, scary old man anymore. He's back into Papa Dragon mode. <laughs> yeah, uh, through the power of performance capture technology, he doesn't have to be an old man anymore. Yeah. In fact, uh, Sigourney Weaver doesn't have to be uh, a middle-aged woman anymore if she doesn't feel like it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm <laughs> I'm sorry, I came across this and I was like, "Is this? I haven't seen Don't Breathe, but this is giving me some Don't Breathe vibes." It does, yeah. Um, but yes, I guess you could call this uh, the uh, like akin to the Liam Neeson Taken Renaissance. Where it's like Stephen Lang's career found its found new life in the form of Stephen Lang, badass at large, sometimes blind badass, but not always. Um, it's kind of funny to think that he played the uh, coward in a uh, Tombstone in the '90s, where he, he was like the jittery, cowardly fella in that, and now he's like supreme badass old man uh, thanks to Avatar and Don't Breathe. Yeah, um, what el- what else was it? Manhunter. I think he plays the uh, reporter in manhunter i think you're right yeah and it's just like totally like now when i think of stephen lang i think of like you know this gruff military-esque macho old guy and in that like you know his career he's 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 run the whole spectrum he's an actor and you know i I think that's actually really neat that he he got to he got to do many many things but it's just now that he's kind of like found his little niche and so it's like you know what why not Uh, let's just let's just take this and roll with it (laughs) Uh, we have The Leech from 2022, and this is an Arrow release. Um, how often does Arrow do contemporary releases? Because I always think of like older films when I think of Arrow. They do uh, every couple of months they'll release something contemporary. I don't know uh, how it works distribution, if there's some, you know, uh, like how, what is it, RLJ releases a lot of Shutter stuff. Like, I don't know if there's some studio they work with specifically. But uh, they did that movie, The Stylist. Um, oh, yeah. Um, they released that. And there's been a few others. Um, can't say I've seen any of them, though. The Stylist has long been on my to-do list. Yeah. Uh, I found out about that one through a, a news site a long time ago, back when it was just a short film. Um, and I've always been curious about it. Um, I, I haven't watched it, but it's yeah, I'll never forget about it. Um, funny enough, uh, if you look at the color scheme for this one... Uh, this is actually a Christmas film, <laughs> according to the plot summary. It takes place at Christmas time. Um, we have Medieval uh, from 2022, a contemporary release from Paramount Pictures. This is headlined by one Ben Foster, Ben Foster. Um, and uh, I've seen a trailer for this. Uh, I heard uh, Ben Foster does some some good medieval physicality in this one. Something I've always wanted to see him do, because I always I always noted that about about Ben Foster's acting. Uh, technique is that he's he's very 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 physical um, he brings a lot of physicality to his performances and um, watching alpha dog uh, with kyle was absolutely hilarious and it, it kind of reaffirmed a lot of my my suspicions about his uh, technique of bringing physicality to his performances because uh, that was the film that taught me ben foster knows taekwondo uh, because that movie just has some random fucking martial arts sequences in the middle of it that's like whoa taekwondo crackhead did not see that coming um but yeah i i've always wanted to see him do more just like a traditional action movies um such that i went out of my way to watch the uh, jason statham headlined uh, remake of the mechanic um, which also co-stars Ben Foster. It's not an amazing film, uh, but it has a couple of nice little throwdowns and 
Ben Foster actually probably gets the best scene in the whole movie. Uh, it's very similar to the uh, bathroom fight in uh, Ninja. I think it was uh, Ninja Assassin, uh, the the Rain uh, headline movie. Uh, basically, it's like smaller guy fights big guy. Smaller guy has an opportunity to kill big guy instantly, fails, and then it escalates into a five minute bloodbath. I like a life or death struggle and Ben Foster's little tussle in that movie is pretty spectacular. Um, I might actually watch this one. Uh, we have <laughs> Frank Grillo in Operation Sea Wolf from 2022. I actually saw this like front facing on a shelf uh, at my local video store. Yeah. And I was like, oh, must have been a slow fucking week <laughs> if, we're putting, if we're putting Operation Sea Wolf yeah. like, at, like facing front as like in regards to the new releases. Uh, this also has Dolph Lundgren in it, uh, probably for five minutes, if I had to guess. Uh, yeah, uh, moving on, we have a Burial from 2022. No idea what that is, but it's a contemporary release. Um, and I think that's about it for the week, Brad. You ready to move on? Yeah, I think that covers it for that week. Cool. Uh, so let's move on to the following week. That would be uh, December 13th. Uh, is the next Tuesday. Uh, and we have a Steelbook edition. Uh, I think it's currently only in Steelbook, uh, but it's Russell Mulcahy's uh, Highlander on 4K from 1986. Uh, I own both a DVD and a Blu-ray of, four, of Highlander, and I don't know if I need to upgrade it, but something tells me I probably will. Uh, Brad, do you have any thoughts on Highlander? I have... Uh zero thoughts on highlander unfortunately um but i will say to that note the uh 4k hasn't gotten great marks across the board but uh at least in the blu-ray.com review they do say it is a substantial upgrade over the blu-ray even though it has some issues substantial upgrade so i think you're gonna need to you're gonna need to upgrade this one trevor i'll consider it uh, Russell Mulcahy is, I don't think he's a very good filmmaker, um, at least when it comes to telling stories, um, but as a visualist, when it comes to cinematography and lighting and effects work, uh, he makes visually interesting films, um, and Highlander is a very dynamic visual experience, uh, audio-visual experience, I should say, um, and the franchise is just nutty as all get out. Um it either works for you or it doesn't. I, I want to say it doesn't work for most people, but I kind of enjoy Highlander on a weird level, but that's a maybe for me. But beside that, we have uh, something that I'm fairly certain you have already picked up, or at least considering picking up. Uh, if you're not aware, folks at home, Brad uh, has set about to collect all of the Vestron video Blu-ray releases, and we have Silent Night, Deadly Night Collection. So this collects the Silent Night, Deadly Night films uh, number three through five. Uh, Brad, have you grabbed this one yet? Uh, haven't gotten around to uh, picking it up yet. I will. Um, I will, though. And, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I was kind of excited when I found out that they were releasing this. Now, I do own Silent Night, Deadly Night. I don't own Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. So I might need to pick up the Shout Factory release of that uh, to go along with this release. Um, but yeah, you're getting three movies for a super cheap price. I've actually, you know, it's kind of like, okay, it's Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, 4, and 5. I was like, okay, these are probably going to be terrible. But I've heard a few uh, 
few corners of the internet that I sometimes visit, you know, a few sections that are, you know, borderline dark web uh, with some of the opinions <laughs> these people have on movies. Uh, they, there's some people out there in these dark corners of the internet that actually are pretty big fans of a couple of these. They think it's the third one has several uh, uh, cast members from the Twin Peaks franchise in it, which is interesting. And uh, I've heard some people say, I think it's five, maybe four. I, what, one of them is just, like, just insane, they say. So, you know, it there might be some quality here. Um, maybe not objective quality, but there hopefully will be something to enjoy. I have a feeling they'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, they're, they're probably not great by any means, but, you know, part of part of working on a franchise like this, a low-budget franchise like this that's long in the tooth is that you get a little bit of wiggle room to just do crazy shit with it. So at the very least, you'll probably get some garbage day moments or something where it's just like, I don't know what the fuck that was, but it was kind of cool. Um, sadly, no garbage day in these films, as far as I'm aware. Um, you know, back in the day, Brad, I very nearly could have started that meme. Uh, if if I had the technology and the know-how, yeah. I, I easily could have spearheaded that meme because I, I had that clip in a QuickTime file on my computer via a little website called badmovies.org <laughs> long before we had YouTube and whatnot. And I was laughing at Garbage Day years before we had YouTube. Um, oh, I love that clip. Uh, moving on, though, we have Brian De Palma's uh, Carrie on 4K from 1976. This is from Scream Factory. Um, and it looks like it got a 5 out of 5, as it should, because... Brian De Palma is also a very visually dynamic director, uh, and this is a very important film. Uh, it's a very, very good film. And also, as Brad had mentioned about the Black Christmas cover art, they went with the original poster art. So they, good they on do them. have a steel book of this one, though. If you do want new artwork, there is that uh, steel book, I believe, available. So you know, you got a couple options here if you want it. So yeah, if you're into that, I'm not. Yeah, but, <laughs> but if you're into that. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I'm going to be picking this one up, but uh, Carrie is one of those movies. It's one of those Stephen King adaptations that's just like it's always kind of lingering in the back of your mind, where it's like, you know, I could I could rewatch Carrie. Like, why the fuck not? There's so many of those. Goddamn Stephen King, why are why are your stories so memorable and so so incredibly digestible? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to kick it over to you, Brad. Uh, take take the wheel for a bit. What what jumps out of you? Um, let's see. I actually don't know if it's the first time on 4K, but yeah, it looks like it is. Uh, Coraline, which uh, I believe is, is it, I think it's a Leica film. You just mentioned Leica, but is it, can we confirm? Can we check the uh, uh, records on that? Is it Leica? Um, I believe Paranorman was a Leica film, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, Coraline and Paranorman both come into 4K. I, uh, like uh, Coraline quite a bit. Uh, Paranorman, I enjoy, but not quite as much. Um, yeah, my buddy Bobby, he's actually a big Coraline fan. It's one of his favorite movies, and when I told him that it was coming to 4K, he's he's not a physical media guy, but even he ended up uh, picking this one up. So, you know, even the people that don't buy physical media, if you release the right movie, the right release, you'll... Uh, You'll go grab it. I don't know if I'll uh, be buying this one because I do already own it on Blu-ray, um, but it is it is a pretty great animated film. I, re I really enjoy it. Yeah, I haven't seen it myself, but uh, 
I quite enjoy the medium of stop motion animation. I've dabbled in it uh, here and there uh, when I was younger, especially. Um, and goddamn, uh, Leica is just on a different level uh, when it comes to just the seamless quality uh, to the presentation of their stop motion animation. It's almost they almost have like a a victory lap at the end of their films where they they show you during the credits like what went into doing some of the things that they've done. It, it's just absolutely mind blowing. Like like a Kubo, uh, the puppet that's the size of like the entire room. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you stop motion animated something the the size of, of a bus. Okay. Um, truly incredible stuff. But I actually haven't seen either of these. But I do know Kyle uh, is also a big fan of Coraline. He's been urging me to watch that for a long time. So maybe I should get on that. Yeah. Uh, get on it. Uh. <laughs> 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 fucking it up. Uh also we have a smile on 4k which brad uh mentioned he he received as a gift um have you watched this one yet yeah i, I saw it in theaters uh not not like amazing but um does kind of uh it's a nice throwback to those uh early 2000s mid 2000s sort of high concept uh horror movies that are you know not amazing but they're you know i guess if this had come out when I was in middle school or something, it probably would have been my favorite movie at the time. Like, you know, it's definitely kind of a, a, a slumber party-esque. A lot of kids will put it on and have a good time horror movie. And it's it's pretty effective at doing that. It's not high art or anything, but I had a good time with it. Yeah, it sounded really interesting. Um, I might go out of my way to watch this one at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't seen it yet, but maybe. Um, by the way, we have a release of uh, something called Ghost Watch from 101 Films from 1992. Uh, I read a little bit while we were chatting just now uh, about like the background of what this is, and this sounds like it might be up your alley, Brad. Um, it's one of those uh, f- kind of like fake fake news report uh, films. There was that uh, what was it, the Halloween uh, telecast uh, mm-hmm. film that I think was a uh, it may have been an AGFA release or something, but um, point is, basically, this is presented like a television broadcast in 1992, when in actuality, it's you know, it's all a, a hoax, but a very, very, very clever hoax. Uh, yeah. Have you heard of this one? I remember when it got announced. I kind of looked into it, and I remember thinking, "Oh, that's oh, that sounds kind of a, oh," um, and looking at uh, 101 films at least according to blu-ray.com they've only released uh, one other thing which is the last broadcast which i believe is another uh found footage style kind of uh film that went about the jersey devil so this could be my new favorite label i might have to i might have to dip into this i'm kind of into it yeah the premise sounds really really cool mm-hmm. um i'd be very interested to check this one out um Moving on, though, we have a uh, 4K release of The Woman King uh, from 2022, which is headlined by Viola Davis. Um, I'm sure she absolutely kills it. Uh, She has that quality to her. Um, We have Walk to Remember from 2002. That's a Shout Select release. Uh, My Best Friend's Fucking Wedding. Uh, That should be the title, by the way, (laughs) on 4K uh, from 1997 uh 25th anniversary edition um good god this movie was massive uh when it came out i don't know if you 
remember that at all, Brad, but this movie just, like, was kind of a big fucking deal at the time. Yeah, uh, on Julia cable Roberts all the time as well. On fucking cable all the time. And uh, Julia Roberts, uh, Dermot Mulroney, Cameron Diaz, and, of course, everybody's favorite, Rupert Everett. Uh, big, big fucking deal in 1997 haven't seen it since um, but moving on uh, we have the creature from black lake 1976 silent running on 4k from 1972 this is an arrow release um i believe they had put out a blu-ray of this previously so this is their upgrading that disc um and i'm gonna kick it over to you again brad uh take the reins for a bit what what jumps out at you well, I've got to mention a uh, release from my boy uh, Davy Cronenberg, Spider, uh, starring Ray Fiennes. Um, actually, I don't even really know what this is about. I don't even know if it's specifically a horror film or if this is kind of his transition into the sort of history of violence era. Um, but it's one that I've never seen, and this is the first time uh, that it's come to Blu-ray. It's a Sony... Is it Sony Pictures Classics? Yeah. Um so yeah, I, I I would like to uh, check this out because it's probably only a handful of Cronenberg films that I have not seen. Um, so this is one that I don't know if I'll be getting it right away because I don't know if I've heard that it's like amazing, but uh, I do want to check it out. Yeah, I haven't seen this one either. Um, it I feel like that's maybe its reputation as potentially an overlooked Cronenberg film, but um, I I don't know enough about it to say it, but uh, I think you actually hit the nail on the head where it might mark that transition point uh, where he's getting away from his his traditional shtick of the body horror stuff and just you know exploring other things a little bit. Um, but I'd, I'd be curious like to check it out though. Absolutely, I mean Ray Fiennes and David Cronenberg sign me up mm-hmm. uh we have the velvet underground uh from 2021 this is apparently a documentary about the band uh this is our first criterion release i believe of the month uh as well as cooley high from 1975 also a criterion release directed by michael schultz uh any enthusiasm behind either of these ones brad no i can't say much um I, th- I think the Velvet Underground, I could be wrong, but I want to say that's an actually an Apple TV original that's getting a physical... Because there is, there is a Velvet Underground documentary on Apple TV+. Plus. I know that, and I'm assuming it's the same. I can't imagine that there would have been two Velvet Underground <laughs> documentaries to come out in the last couple of years, but maybe. Uh, so it's kind of interesting in that regard that if, if, if I'm correct on my information there that it is uh getting a release even though it's an apple tv original but i uh, can't say i'll pick you through these up deep impact armageddon uh velvet underground competing documentaries fire festival competing documentaries right um we have a uh, ticket to paradise from 2022 which uh george clooney and julia roberts probably a big deal to somebody not to myself um we have three Severin titles from uh, from 1987 to 1989. We have Double Target, Cop Game, and Born to Fight. Uh, we have Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile on 4K, 2022. Has anybody seen this fucking film, Brad? Because I, I, I know it exists. I know it came out, but I haven't heard a goddamn thing about it. I mean, uh, some people must have seen it because I just looked up the box office numbers, and it did make $87 million worldwide. Um, 
So not a complete flop, that's for sure. I don't know what the budget is on this thing, but... Uh... See if I can find that. Well, while you hunt for that, I'll roll on down the line and just point out that uh, Reacher, the Jack Reacher uh, Amazon series, is getting uh, its first season on 4K. Uh, who's actually publishing this? Uh, Paramount. Uh, Paramount Pictures is putting out the discs. Um, we have uh, Blood and Diamonds from 1977 um, from 88 Films. Uh, we also have Maniac Driver from 2020 from Diabolique DVD, uh, funny enough, being put out on Blu-ray. Uh, we have The Woman King also on Blu-ray, and we have Resurrection from 2022. <laughs> that's a uh, that's an audio clip I might send to you someday, Brad, for your soundboard. Um, <laughs> another Street Fighter 3 audio clip. Um, I'm a big fan of Rebecca Hall. Uh, she's great. I'll just say that. Um, and I've heard very, very good things about this film. Um, have you seen this one, Brad? Yeah, um, I did watch it. It, it is uh, on Shudder uh, right now. Uh, it's good. Um, definitely falls into the zone of, uh, like, men earlier this year. The sort of, you know, very symbolic, metaphorical horror films. Um, so if you're going into this hoping for something straightforward, probably not for you. Um, but yeah, Rebecca Hall is great in it. And, uh, Tim Roth actually is really good as well. I really liked him in it. Um, so yeah, I didn't love it, but it, it is good. Yeah, actually I had heard some really amazing things about Tim Roth in the film. Um, which is kind of funny being as like, I think she Hulk came out the same year. <laughs> so it's like, you have him kind of slumming it over there, but then I'm like reading over here on resurrection. It's like, if you want to see him actually do some of that action shit, he's still got it. It's just not over there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd actually be curious to check that one out at some point. Um, we have, uh, three films by my Zetterling. Uh, this is a criterion box set, by the way. Um, we have Bandit starring Josh Duhamel and Mel Gibson uh, from Quiver Films. What else have they done? Oh no, Brad, you need to look up Quiver Films. Uh, they oh well, they put out Becky. Uh, okay, I, I should be careful here because they did put out Becky, and we're all we all love Becky. Becky's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tiptoe, tippy toe. <laughs> um, wait, wait, but what is what is the release this week that they're uh, just for me to find it easily? What 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 are they? Uh, Bandit, this week? Bandit, Bandit, starring Josh Dumail. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, so they have put out The Fanatic, starring uh, John Travolta, uh, directed by Fred Durst, I believe. Yes. Um, I have seen that film. It is not as bad as its reputation, but it is not good. Um, they also put out Chick Fight, which I did rent from Redbox. I think it was the first Redbox produced film, which is mostly the reason I watched it. Um, good Alec Baldwin. The rest of it, not so much. Uh, some truly odd narrative decisions in this film. Good Kevin Nash, by the way. Kevin Nash is great in Chick Fight. Um, they also put out Money Plane, uh, starring Kelsey Kramer and my boy Edge from the WWE. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Quiver Films. Quality. 
they put out Becky, so you know they're doing it right. Well, I will um, say but- <laughs> they did put out Becky, um, but they also put out an inferior version of Becky that was later surpassed by the Ronin Flicks release. So if all the Becky heads out there don't get the Quiver Films version, definitely go for the uh, Ronin Films version, which has been uh, endorsed by me and endorsed by the uh, directors, our friends. So uh, check that one out. There you go. Thank you for the PSA, Brad. Setting people on the right path. We also have three films by Hong Sang-soo. Uh, this is being put out by Cinema Guild. Uh, looks like a very handsome package, by the way. Um, what else we got? We got Slashback uh, from 2022. I've heard some decent things about that one. I don't know a whole lot about it, but it has a decent reputation at this point. I'm getting Attack the Block vibes. I don't know if you saw Attack the Block, but uh, definitely getting kind of similar vibes to that. Uh, what's that? Uh, Blood Quantum, I think. That one too. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, point is all of those are good. Um, and I've heard this one's pretty fun as well. Um, we have Call of Jane from 2022. This is a Lionsgate film with Elizabeth Banks and Sigourney Weaver. I don't know anything about this, Brad. Yeah, this is uh, this is news to me. Okay. Well, breaking well, news. <laughs> Uh, we have a Jet Li two-movie collection box set, uh, Fist of Legend, which is excellent, and uh, Tai Chi Master, which is also excellent, uh, from Ronin Flicks. Uh, so it looks like Ronin Flicks is a label I need to keep a closer eye on, because uh, both of those are movies that I would love to own. Uh, Fist of Legend I have, but only on DVD, and it's exclusively the dubbed version of it, uh, which definitely warrants an upgrade. Uh and beside that, we have a movie that I've actually been greatly anticipating. Uh, we have Ma Dong Sok in uh, The Roundup from 2022. And I believe this is uh, the sequel to The Outlaws, I think is the, the Korean title for it. Um, I love Ma Dong Sok. Uh, he's, he's wonderful. Uh, it, it's actually kind of funny. This happens with a lot of uh, Asian actors, like more specifically out of... Uh, like China, Japan, Korea, a lot of them take on more pronounceable names by English or American standards. Uh, in this case, uh, Don Lee is the name that they're putting on the on the cover for the film. Um, this is this is a very common thing. I mean, uh, was it Wu Jing uh, from China uh, at one point was going by Jackie Wu Ching uh, Wu Jing? Uh, probably to cash in on, you know, Jackie Chan. It's like, oh, hey, there's, like, Americans know Jackie Chan, and maybe they'll know Jackie Wu Jing. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, I know what you're trying to do. Um, and there have been a, a whole host of Asian actors that have done this over the years, where they adopt, like, a Western first name, at the very least, uh, to make them to, to make them more memorable uh, for people that, you know, don't speak the language. But point is... Uh, Ma Dong Suk is a wonderful screen presence. Uh, he knows how to throw a fucking right cross. Um, that's like his bread and butter. It's like, there ain't no jabs. Just like overhand rights all day long. And uh, uh, I've been greatly anticipating this film. Uh, it, I'm really excited to watch this one. Uh, I'm very excited to see him punch people in the face and kick people through windshields and shit. <laughs> uh, moving on, though, uh, we have Don't Fuck in the Woods too. by the way. Uh, love that title um assassination tango 2022 or 2002 excuse me from sandpiper pictures uh directed written and starring 
Robert Duvall. Whoa. I thought that was him on the cover there. Yeah, I, I recognized the face, but I was caught off guard by the, the written and directed. Um, plot summary is a professional hitman from New York travels to Buenos Aires for his latest assignment and becomes involved with a local tango dancer. So he goes to Argentina uh, and uh, presumably marry Miss Haps and Sue. Uh, I would be curious to check that out because I like Robert Duvall in general, but I did not know Robert Duvall had ever written or directed a film before. Yeah, um, news to me. Yeah, for real. Uh, I'm going to kick it over to you again, Brad. Uh, what is speaking to you? Uh, well, we have what I assume is a Lionsgate release. The minute you wake up dead um, with who who are, who are these people? Cole Hauser. Jamie oh, Alexander, fuck. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> oh, um, poor Jamie Alexander, the lady who got kicked out of Marvel. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Like, like they really, really downplayed her character. In, no, it wasn't her. Excuse me, someone else. Was no, it say, was her. It totally was her. That that's uh, Sif from the from the Thor films. You're losing me. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, that's that's unfortunate. I mean, uh, sorry, I might I might be a little unfocused because I was looking up uh, Piranha Women, uh, which is also <laughs> coming out this week, and I gotta say, I've never really bought anything from Full Moon Features or done any research. I don't know. I think there might be some sort of like money laundering thing going on here because their website is horrendous. I go to their like I I go to their website to look up some information on this release and I can't even find anything about the release. If I search the movie on their website, it comes up with two 30-minute videos where it says Piranha Women episode 1, Piranha like I don't know what's going on. So I'm on their Facebook page trying to find any in- info on Piranha Women. I can't find it. So I don't know what the hell's going on with this uh, full moon features. I I mean, are you? Do you have any of their releases? I absolutely do not. Um, but their their catalog is interesting because it's it's mostly like bargain bin bullshit. But every once in a while, they have like a couple of things here and there that I actually like recognize. Like there's a handful of slashers that I know here. I know that Trancers has a. Uh, I don't know. It has a fan base to some extent. They have a lot of, um, uh, fuck. What was it? Uh, they have a lot of the Puppet Master films. Yeah. Um, now the question is, Full Moon features. Is is this like the current iteration of the studio that produced these films? And now I need to look into this because I'm curious. I'm getting my my wires crossed here. Yeah, I don't know. I just I I finally found a, a post about Piranha Women on their Facebook, and I followed a link which I probably shouldn't have done. Um, but it took me to it's not Full Moon. It's not the Full Moon Features website. It's FullMoonDirect.com. So I think I think the I think I'm onto something here. So Full Moon Full Moon Features, I believe, is the current iteration of Full Moon Pictures. Okay. Uh, which was the Charles Band film studio that produced the Puppet Master films and Doll Man and a lot of you know schlock from that era and like Reanimator as well. Um, so maybe th- maybe this is just how that label exists these days is they've pivoted into distribution as opposed to film production or something. 
Yeah. Um, I I don't know what that what what is the deal with their website though. That does sound kind of sketch to be honest. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of pornos on here as well. I'm scrolling through. I'd say it's the majority of their catalog is pornos. Um, yeah. Speaking of Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman, Attack of the Fifty Foot Cam Girl. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, cool. Piranha, Piranha Woman or Women, excuse me. Um, by the way, uh, Well Go is putting out The Ambush from uh, 2021. This is directed by Pierre Morel, um, who, you know, he's a French director, made a lot of schlock, um, made a few good movies, though. Like, if you look at his filmography, District B-13, Unleashed, uh, War Sucked. <laughs> the Gunman was half, half was not half bad. Um, and uh, From Paris with Love is long on my to-do list just seeing bald john travolta on the cover for that film just made me need to see that at some point um that is exactly up my alley but i've heard actually this ambush film uh is not half bad okay Uh, it's a it's a war movie uh told from the perspective of people you don't often see represented in main like semi-mainstream film um so let's bounce down to december 20th and uh right out the gate we have a a duo of uh, 4k releases in the form of uh, war games from 1983 being put out by shout factory as well as the original uh, taking of pelham one two three from kino on 4k as well uh i saw i saw both of these too long ago uh to remember them all that well but i remember the taking of pelham one two three was excellent and the remake's actually not half bad either if you ask me mm-hmm yeah, I uh, I really like taking a Pelham one two three um, war games. Not quite as much. I actually just watched that for the first time not too long ago. Wasn't uh, super crazy about it. Although, uh, is it is it the uh, is it the opening or the ending? There's one sequence that is pretty pretty good in it. I can't remember which se- if it was the opening. Or- anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, taking a Pelham one two three. I don't know. I do already have the Kino Blu-ray, but this is one that would maybe be worth upgrading because it is that good of a film. It really is. It's a, it's an excellent piece of cinema, and actually just looking at the cover here makes me really want to watch it again because uh, it has been a really long time for me personally. Yep. Um, beside that, we have The Banshees of Inna Sharon uh, from 2022. Uh, this is, of course, from director Martin McDonough, um, who... I believe I've only seen the one film uh, of his uh, in Bruges, but goddamn, it is a hell of a film, uh, such that he's like forever on my radar now. And uh, everything I've heard about this, like even the stuff where people weren't quite, it wasn't quite working for them, like everything I've heard about this makes me really desperately want to see it because I think it would work beautifully for me personally. <laughs> yeah, it it worked for me. It worked for me hard. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, a little disappointed it's not getting a 4K because uh, In Bruges just got a 4K. Three Billboards had a 4K. Um, so I don't know if there's a plan. A w- weird release for this one as well because it kind of immediately came to HBO Max. Um, I don't know. Just a, kind of a weird release how this happened. But uh, it is great and crazy that, I mean, it's pretty much guaranteed. It's crazy that this w- is probably going to be colin farrell's first oscar nomination i mean crazy that he's never been nominated before but uh this is certainly 
one of, if not his best performances. He is really good. Brandon Gleason is really good. And uh, Barry Keegan, he kills it in this as well. Uh, he's He's got a small role, but uh, he's amazing. Um, Carrie Condon, I want to say is her name, uh, plays Colin Farrell's sister. She's awesome. Great performances. Uh, yeah, it's it's really good. I, I would really recommend it. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm really interested to check this one out. Like, everything I've heard about it, I was like, that sounds right up my alley. I would get that movie. Yeah. Um, beside that, we have uh, House of the Dragon, the uh, Game of Thrones prequel series on HBO, getting a physical media release for its first season. Uh, I haven't paid any attention uh, whatsoever to the, the fantasy wars of the past couple of years, of uh, the Rings of Power versus the House of the Dragon, but... Uh, what little I have heard pointed that this one kind of being unexpectedly the quality pick between the two. Um, yeah. Did you watch either or both of those? I did watch both. And yeah, I w- like a year ago, I would have said, oh, it's going to be Lord of the Rings is going to mop the floor with how, like I'm Game of Thrones. I'm over, not interested in any more of that. Lord of the Rings, this will be great. And yeah, I completely swapped. House of the Dragon is great. And Lord of the Rings was not great. Uh, it was kind of a chore to get through. I don't see myself watching another season, but I did get through that first season just to say I gave it a fair shot. Whereas House of the Dragon, I was like actively every week that night I was watching, you know, the episode um, where Lord of the Rings, maybe this is a reason why it didn't work for me, but I kind of just became so disinterested that I think I took like a five week gap in between a couple of episodes <laughs> and Jesus. finally came back and said I gotta like I gotta fucking finish this and so I like plowed through the final three episodes um, but yeah really did not grab me um, but House of the Dragon did so I um, cool to see it getting a 4k release because I don't know if I mean you and I haven't talked about the uh, the whole Westworld situation with hbo have you heard about this uh uh no but uh, i goddamn i need to find a audio drop for new the news hour yeah. with, with brad <laughs> because you all you always come you got the hot takes you got the scoops <laughs> yeah well i mean uh yeah we need to get it like yeah one of those news breaking news bolts and but uh i mean the news is like obviously warner brothers and hbo they've been working to cut costs which, uh, you know, sucks because, like, genuinely, I think, like, they've released some of the best movies and shows. Um, but I guess maybe that's why they need to get cost. They're spending too much on all their good shit. Um, but anyway, uh, Westworld was, you know, originally it was, like, going to be their next Game of Thrones. It was going to be their next big flagship show. And they canceled it earlier this year. They were supposed to have one final season, and they canceled it before they could release their final season. They only did four out of five. Uh, which is not surprising because I uh, Westworld was another one where it just I thought it was not good. I gave it two seasons that didn't work for me. Um, but what is most surprising is that I don't know if it has happened yet, but uh, Westworld and several other uh, HBO like series and titles um, are getting removed from the service HBO Max. Uh, and I believe they said they were going to shop them around to other streamers and potentially like free streamers. 
um, like Tubi or I don't I don't know something like that. So not necessarily saying that you know. In, in fact, if it's true that they'll go to a free service, it actually could increase their availability and access to people. But certainly that whole thing of like a, a show as big as Westworld getting pulled from HBO Max kind of you know heightens the uh, the need for physical media. Um, Westworld was the biggest title out of the ones that were listed, but there were several others. Um, and like right now, I don't know if they are available to watch anywhere. So uh, not that I buy a ton of television, but it uh, goes to show, you know, even a big show might not always be there. Like Westworld, that was a big deal at the time, and it, they're pulling it off their service. So uh, thankfully, those did get physical releases. So not that I'm a Westworld fan, but, you know, you can buy them if you want to. Well, maybe they're uh, tired of paying royalties to the the Crichton estate or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly, uh, but I mean, we've seen that happen before, though. Um, it's uh, stories are stories are very easy to start, but incredibly difficult to conclude or carry on after a certain point. Um, but just in in the world of television, I mean, we had uh, what the community situation where it. And the, like on the last seasons or whatever, it ended up on some Yahoo streaming service or yeah. some shit. You know, some chunk of the audience followed it, and it did actually reach a conclusion. Maybe not the conclusion, but it reached a conclusion. Um, and Sense Eight on a, what was it? Netflix um, that was dead and buried, and then res- resurrected um, by the fan base or whatever. Um, so you know, it could be one of those things where if it does end up on a competitor service or something like a 2B or something like that. Maybe if it does find a large enough audience, perhaps it will get a conclusion. Like perhaps they will, you know, spend the money to make an additional season or something. Cause we are starting to see that we are starting to see, I mean, for fuck's sake, I, I mentioned Redbox is actually making movies. Now we are starting to see some of these other services throw their hat in in the ring and take a swing at trying to make actual content now Uh so maybe that'll happen who knows but hbo is uh in in a state of upheaval um but they also have some really heavy hitters just around the corner so they may be washing their hands of some of their better content but um, they do seem to have a plan going for it. I don't know if it's a good plan, but, but they do have a lot of shit lined up uh, just around the corner. Um, I heard that uh, Westworld didn't and like did not maintain its quality. Um, I had heard it was magnificent in its first season, like like it was absolutely incredible. Same kind of goes for a uh, what was it, The Handmaid's Tale? Mm. I think yeah. I heard the first season of that was phenomenal. But both of those, like, as it carried on, it sounded like enthusiasm waned, like, pretty dramatically. Would you, would you say that's accurate? Um, yeah, I would say that's probably accurate, although I actually never really liked Westworld. Um, but I remember people, oh, this is great, this is the next great show, and I was like, what, what am I missing here? <laughs> um, Handmaid's Tale, I would more agree with you, although, for me, it really was, like, the first three or four episodes of that show were really strong. I don't even know if I'd say the full first season was great. Um, but that one dipped for me. I jumped ship. I'm, I'm pretty loyal. I'm getting a little better about jumping ship, but uh, like 
generally, if anything is just okay, I'll continue watching it. Like, it's kind of a statement when I jump ship on a show. So, <laughs> those ones <laughs> well, I made a statement on. Yeah, trust me, it comes with age, bud. Uh, you, you get a little, you get a little up there in years, and you start thinking like, "Ain't nobody got time for this bullshit." Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is like, don't waste my motherfucking time. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm glad that we touched on House of the Dragon and you know some of the other uh, HBO stuff. Obviously, there was a lot to say about that. Um, and yeah, I was totally shocked. I, if I had, if I was a betting man, I would have picked Lord of the Rings to to be the better of the two. Um, and then there's some asshole out there who is banking on The Witcher being the show to bank on. It's like, oh, oh, sir, <laughs> like you have wasted your money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I've heard some shit about that. That that mini series that just dropped is getting review bombed. I don't know if that's all legitimate criticism, but good god, uh, the reviews are horrible. And then the news of uh, Henry Cavill being swapped out for nobody's favorite Hemsworth. I don't know if The Witcher is long for this earth, <laughs> um, at Not least on, at least in nope. video form. Yeah, uh, games and the novels are good though. Um, we have Tar uh, on 4K from Universal Studios uh, from the year 2022. This is of course Kate Blanchett uh, headlining the film. Uh, you did you review this one? Yes, yeah, we did review it. Um, I thought it was great. Uh, my friend Charlie was not as crazy about it. Um, but no, I think it's, uh, definitely worth watching. Very, uh, interesting film, a lot to chew on. Um, you know, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody because it is kind of just a, you know, it's a character study. There's not, you know, there's no, uh, there's no, uh, superheroes in this one or big explosions, but it is a very interesting look at a, uh, an industry, the classical music industry of today the composing industry the orchestra industry and um a potentially problematic person that is uh at the head of it and Kate Blanchett is great I thought it was well directed uh yeah I will probably pick this up on 4k I'd like to rewatch it before making my top 10 list but I don't know if I'm gonna have time so I probably won't be able to squeeze in that rewatch um but it is uh it, it's one of my favorites of the year for sure in the words of andy samberg and the great nicholas cage that's high praise that's high praise um yeah i i would like to watch this as well i'm not going to be buying it or anything but uh, i've heard it's excellent um and it's very much on my radar i really like um, the artwork on this too like yeah yeah very striking cover that's not something that we've gotten into much on this episode but yeah the cover for this is very simple um, but I have to imagine plays into the themes of the story quite well as well. And I don't think I recognize, I'm sure it was some sort of alternate poster, but it was not like the main poster for the film. So I like that. that that's a nice, you know, not just going with the poster you see everywhere. It, that was a good choice by them. No, the, the, the color choice, the font, the composition of it, it's, it's excellent very well very well considered and very minimalist for the most part mm-hmm. um excellent cover um moving on down though uh we have something completely different uh we have blood fist from 1989 um there's actually a twitter account that i follow called it could have been a blood fist film um that basically just posits that any film with significant tweaking in the script could easily have been a blood fist sequel because 
Uh, Blood Fist, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Brad, is uh, a long-running franchise. There are probably like nine of these fuckers, uh, all headlined by Don the Dragon Wilson. Um, And I've mentioned this probably in the past two or three conversations I've had with you, Brad. Uh, Don the Dragon Wilson is everywhere these days. His name is ubiquitous in in the physical media realm. Like, ever since uh, New York Ninja and uh, he and Cynthia Rothrock uh, working with Vinegar Syndrome to to record the the dub track for for the New York Ninja film that they put out, uh, a lot of his films have been put out not only by Vinegar Syndrome, but now uh, we have Shout Factory putting out what is essentially the quintessential uh, Don the Dragon Wilson film. And funny enough, I have never seen one of his films as much as I am, you know, a fan of martial arts cinema. I've never seen one of his movies, and I'm very, very curious. And this would be my starting point for sure. Uh, because when I think him, um, well, to be honest, the first thing I think of is Batman Forever. And him in neon makeup saying, who the hell are you? (laughs) Um, And then getting kicked in the face by Chris O'Donnell. Um, But then the next thing I think of is Blood Fist. And also, just for bonus, we also have Black Belt from 1992, which is a film I know fuck all about. Um, But yeah, I might actually blind buy this first Blood Fist film. Just to see what the the whole hubbub is about this Don the Dragon Wilson fellow. Because I've... I've always been aware of him, like forever, but I've never actually watched one of his movies. Uh, and rant. Besides <laughs> um, that, uh, wow! Uh, we have uh, Owen Wilson in an Iron Man suit, uh, presumably bringing his Kung Pao chicken to the fight uh, in a little film called Secret Headquarters. What the fuck is this, Brad? <laughs> I believe it is a Paramount Plus original, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, God. They have originals? <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, not all bad. Not all bad. Uh, I, was, I saw one. Oh, I don't even remember what it was called, but it was not <laughs> bad, actually. Um, must not have been too memorable, but uh, did I log that on Letterboxd? Anyway. Um, you better I think, fix that, Brad. Yeah. I think this is a bit of a Spy Kids-esque kids find you out think yeah <laughs> their dad is uh essentially iron man and so they start playing around with all his uh toys sort of thing okay sure if you're into um, it yeah uh beside that we have from sand piper pictures uh wild bill um now i have seen this film it's from 1995 another fucking walter hill film Good God. Is he okay? Is Walter Hill, is Walter Hill like, is his health okay? Because I'm now worried. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> is, is the Hill estate trying to cash in or something? Yeah. Um, but this is starring Jeff Bridges. And uh, have you seen this one, Brad? I'm curious. Mm-mm, I haven't seen it. Okay, I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but my dad put this one on when we as a family were just like laying on the couch after dinner or something. And this movie is aptly titled wild fucking bill (laughs) it is a wild fucking film because it just erupts into chaos and violence every five minutes and it's just like people will be in the middle of like gruff conversations and they're just bang bang tables getting flipped and people's heads exploding and stuff it's just this truly bizarre rhythm where just eruptions of chaos and violence very constantly throughout the entire film it's like, what is this about? <laughs> like, like this Wild Bill character does not seem at all likable. He murders 
80% of the people he interacts with in the film. I don't know what the point of it is, but it was immensely entertaining to watch with my parents after dinner. Sounds pretty cool. It's it's weird. I, I wouldn't call it a good film by any means, but I, I was just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Uh, we have The Loneliest Boy in the World uh, from 2022. This is being put out by Well Go. Um, do you know anything about this one, Brad? This is off my radar. Yeah, I, I don't think I do. Okay, well, uh, we have a movie that is headlined by a lot of people my dad probably thought were pretty cool. Uh, the Bridge at Remagen, uh, starring George Seagal, Robert Vaughn, and Ben Gazzara. Cool guys from back in the day. Although I always think of Ben Gazzara as being kind of a bad guy. I always think of him as the bad guy from uh, Roadhouse. Uh, we have The Hawaiians <laughs> from 1970. I kind of love that title. This is terrible. It's okay. I can say that, folks. My uh, my family's from Hawaii. They're not they're not Hawaiian ethnically speaking, but they're from there. Um, and another Hawaiian film. Wow, that works out beautifully. Uh, we have the Hawaiians from 1970, starring Charlton Heston. And then beside that, we have what I have to assume is a Lionsgate film. It is most certainly a Lionsgate film. Paradise City, starring John Travolta, bald headed John Travolta, very important, and bald headed Bruce Willis. Um, directed by Chuck Russell, a.k.a. the same Chuck Russell who gave us Nightmare on Elm Street 3, often regarded as one of the best Nightmare on Elm Street films, and The Fucking Blob from 1988. And this movie is about John Travolta as a drug kingpin based in Maui, and Bruce Willis and his son have to topple his empire. I need this in my life, Brad. I might blind buy this shit. Yeah, I mean... It's only going to cost you seventeen twenty one right seventeen twenty nine right now on Amazon. So oh okay maybe not. <laughs> I'm not spending seventeen twenty one for that. Maybe nine ninety nine. You'll pull the trigger. I'll, I'll be generous. I'll I'll go twelve. Okay. It gets to twelve. If twelve flat, I will buy Paradise City and I will review it. That's fair. Like, That's fair. I'll, I won't review it with Kyle because he absolutely won't watch this. <laughs> but but I will buy this for $12, and I will review it. Can't blame him. I'm Can't so blame ex- him. I'm uh, unreasonably excited to watch Paradise City. <laughs> it's just such a bizarre combination of talents. It's like the director of the blob <laughs> yeah. brings you a Hawaiian drug, drug cartel thriller. Sure. It could be a uh, hidden gem. There could be something there. I mean, Chuck Russell's been out of work for a long time. He might be an asshole. He probably is an asshole, if you look at his filmography. Like, like he has not done a whole lot in a while. Uh, but, you know, when he was on, he gave us some good shit. So, you know, I, I have some hopes. Although, I did watch a trailer for it, and it did look like uh, Bruce Willis's son is probably the actual main character. Not his biological son, but the person portraying his son in the film is probably the actual protagonist of the film. I have a feeling Bruce Willis gets shot in the first five minutes of this movie. That's my guess. I'm calling it now. All right. Lock in in the prediction. Moving on down. Okay. We're at home stretch, Brad. I hope. Um, I'm tired. Uh, December 27th, 2022. Big one right out the gate. Halloween ends. David Gordon Green's Halloween ends on 4K. And this one includes deleted and extended scenes. Um, 
Brad, what was your general feeling? What were your general feelings on Halloween ends? Um, I wasn't crazy about it. Um, I, I didn't necessarily hate the Corey aspect of it. Um, but it did kind of feel like I wish it would have committed to that more. Um, it just kind of feels like it sets, we spend a lot of time with that and then it kind of abandons it just for a sort of generic, unsatisfying Michael Myers versus Laurie Strode conclusion. Um, so I wasn't crazy about that. There were certain things that I liked in it. It wasn't horrendous, um, but it just felt like, I don't know, like for what they were trying to do, it just felt like they, it was still a little too goofy. It kind of felt like, I don't know, a little bit of me wanting to be like, just, just stay in your lane. Like, I, I don't know. Um, like they did a real good job with the first one, revitalizing the franchise. Uh, and I, I don't want them just to redo Michael Myers killing people on a Halloween. Like I, I, I want them to try different things, but this one, it, just didn't work for me yeah i i mostly agree with you um i i hate to always be the guy to say this but the movie is not bereft of good ideas like it it does have some interesting takes and some interesting angles it's trying to play only problem is the execution and more importantly the timing uh it it feels like I'm I'm intrigued by the premise of an extended cut of this of this chapter of of the David Gordon Green films in particular, just because it feels like an odd amount of things crammed into the final chapter of a story, where had it been better planned and some of these characters like the Corey character had been introduced slightly earlier, or better connected with some other elements in the story, maybe it would maybe the payoff would have felt more sincere and less out of left field. Um, but as it stands, it's, 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 it's okay. Like I, I didn't hate it by any means, but it is not as good as the first, uh, the, as good as Halloween 2018. I don't think kills or ends are as good as 2018. Um, but you know, they tried something different, didn't quite work out, but maybe that was the point. I mean, there is some symmetry with Halloween three, uh, season of the witch, um, I mean, even the title font in the film is meant to emulate the imagery of that. And that movie is known uh, for its reputation of trying something different and kind of ending up with egg on its face. Uh, so who knows? Maybe down the line, people will better regard this one better. But as it stands, it's fine. That's whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I am curious uh, what the uh, deleted and extended content actually is. Uh, because if it is significant... I actually would rewatch this. I would give it another crack um, if it actually makes for a more uh, interesting experience. And this uh, comment I'm about to make will be dated by the time this episode is posted, I'm sure. But um, <laughs> the uh, right now the 4K is going for like it's forty five dollars on Amazon. Like I don't know what the deal is, but it's going like to per you can purchase it. It looks like, but it is for the list price. Um, so I don't know what the deal is with that, but. Whoa, I, I I would keep an eye on the forums on that one, Brad. Yeah. I, there has to be a story behind that. I just, I did a little bit of a, I didn't do a dive, but I, I waded into the pool real quick just to see what was going on in the forums. And people were questioning it, but nobody really knew what was going on. They were just like, what's the deal here? 
Yeah, if you have time, um, I actually would be curious if, if, like, if you look into that and you find some answers because that that is bizarre. That yeah. basically never happens unless it's like a super boutique label or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on, uh, we have a whole host of titles to go over here, many of which are going to be Vinegar Syndrome and their uh, partner labels. So it's going to get real confusing in just a minute here. Uh, so I'm just going to step on the gas a little bit. Uh, we have on 4K, uh, Paul Newman, Nobody's Fool from 1994, uh, Mardi Gras Massacre of 1978, and a big one um, that I'm curious if you watched it yet, uh, we have Terrifier 2 on 4K and Blu-ray. Um, Brad, have you watched this one yet? Yeah, I actually did see this one in theaters, um, and I, I enjoyed it. Uh, definitely a little long. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's maybe the obvious criticism, but... Does not need to be over two hours, that's for sure. But fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that being said, yeah, you know the middle portion of the movie I think is actually really solid. I actually really like. I've grown to like Art the Clown a lot as a horror villain. Um, I like the humor that the character brings to these movies. Uh, of course, the gore is very extreme, and uh, yeah, it just kind of felt like a nice, comfortable. Uh, like sort of slasher movie throwback like it's not a reboot or remake it's 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 a new even though it's terrifier 2 but it's a you know a new character but following kind of you know the classic horror slasher formula but just kind of fun to watch in that way and cool to watch them push things to an extreme limit with such a low budget yeah uh, i really want to check this one out uh, largely from the the word of mouth um i will say uh i uh, it's really pissing me off that i can't remember this but the uh the font uh of on the on the cover here um i adore it uh in particular the two the Uh terrifier it's fine but the two um combination of the font choice for the two and the stroke effect on it is so Familiar, but I can't put my finger on exactly what it is. But I really, really love the font choice. But yeah, I'm really excited to check this one out. Um, I have tried to watch the first Terrifier at least twice, and I don't think I've ever gotten more than a half an hour in. Um, and it it had nothing to do with the content. It was more just like I kept trying to watch it when I was busy, mm-hmm. and I need to just find a time to just sit down, and fucking watch the thing. Um, but mostly, I just want to get to the second one uh, because yeah. I. I hear it's leaps and bounds better. Yeah, yeah. second uh, one time, is much better. Runtime aside. Yeah, yeah, that's what I hear. Um, but moving on, we have Solomon King from 1974. Uh, an AGFA release. Uh, the films of Doris Wishman, The Daylight Years. Uh, we have Mindfield from 1989. This is from Canadian International Pictures, and it has everybody's favorite angry Canadian with the amazing voice, Michael Ironside uh, starring in it. And funny enough, uh, same guy from uh, another Canadian film, uh, Scanners, also featuring uh, presumably some sort of psychic bullshit. Um, I love Michael Ironside. He's great. Um, We have Mind, Body, and Soul, 1992. Um, uh, There's so many, Brad. I'm just going to kick it over to you. What jumps out at you next? (laughs) Well, it's a lot of uh, Vinegar Syndrome partner releases because there's no new vinegar syndrome releases this month because december is their partner only month um cool a lot of these i don't really have much to say a lot with a lot of there's so much partner stuff now that i'll 
glance at stuff, and if it doesn't immediately grab me, I don't really look into it that much. Um, a little bit interested in, uh, if you scroll down, Freak Scene, the story of Dinosaur Jr., uh, just because I do think that would be an interesting doc, not that I'm a Dinosaur Jr. head, but um, it is from Utopia, and I uh, recently in The Last Vinegar Syndrome Sale purchased two Utopia titles and uh, haven't watched them yet, but in terms of the presentation of the release, very impressed. Uh, the one slipcover that I have for We're All Going to the World's Fair from Utopia is amazing. Very <laughs> happy I got that slipcover. Um, but I will mention one that I'm not interested in, but a lot of people were excited for is another, uh, Agfa release. So maybe I'm a little interested, uh, in bat pussy, um, which I believe from what I have read and what they say, it is kind of the first, you know, unofficially the first ever porno parody. Um, so, you know, uh, seems like people are uh, quite excited to have this one uh, in a nice release like this. Not sure if I'll be picking that one up, but I will say, I guess if I am going to pick up a porno title from Vinegar Syndrome or one of their partner labels, this might be the one. This might be the one, because I am a Batman fan. So, <laughs> Bat pussy. <laughs> uh, definitely make sure to display that one with the, co- the cover facing out. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> for sure. Uh, we have um, from Kino... Uh, a little movie called Twilight from 1998, not that Twilight. Uh, and I don't know a damn thing about this, but just looking at the talent, uh, the cast, uh, Paul Newman, Susan Sarandon, Gene Hackman. Shut up and take my money. Don't know what it is, but wow, that's quite the cast. Uh, we have White Reindeer from 2013. Um, I will point out that uh, Lieutenant Jangles from 2018 uh, from ETR Media. I have to assume that's one of the Vinegar Syndrome partner labels. Um, I believe this is a like a Australian like indie film of some sort. Uh, I remember catching a trailer for that a while back. It looked, I don't know, like like a cheap in a somewhat endearing way. I guess um, it brought back memories of like making backyard movies with my friends or something. I don't know if I would spend money on that, but I will say that the the trailer was kind of charming. But um, that's about it for me. Um, do you have any other titles uh, for this last week of December you wanted to point out? The last one I'll mention is uh, The Lair, which is uh, Neil Marshall, uh, director of The Descent. Oh, uh, his wow. new movie. Just I don't know much about it, but uh, this guy I feel like his career has is not in a good place right now. This kind of looks like vod trash um which uh i don't know the monster looks kind of cool i guess but it um, does i don't know it it feels like i i wish he was in a in a better place um but i mean he's still at, at least he's still making films he's not just he hasn't become a solely hired hand tv director so i'll give him that he's he's not in the worst spot he could be yeah, I'm looking at his filmography right now, and it looks like he did some Westworld and some Game of Thrones episodes. Um, but yeah. yeah, the story of Neil Marshall, as far as I can tell, is like he, he hit the ground running, and then, I don't know, something happened. Because uh, he has talent. Uh, the Descent is excellent. Dog Soldiers is a lot of fun. Uh, even Doomsday, it's not 
great, but it was fun enough. We actually reviewed it for the show uh, a while back. I haven't seen Centurion, um, but uh, Hellboy, there was a very large gap where he was working almost exclusively in television, and then boom, Hellboy 2019. And uh, not a a good return uh, to cinema as far as I understand. I have heard nothing but bad things about that film. And yet I still kind of want to watch it. (laughs) Um, and I still might end up watching it, but this, this, the layer film looking at the screen cap included in the, in the review portion of, uh, the blu-ray.com page for it, it looks pretty cheap, but you know, it does look like a fun little eat up I might actually watch this. Uh, I might. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, check it out. So we got to support our boy, Neil. Yeah. I'll watch it. So you don't have to <laughs> paradise city in the lair. Sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that's about it uh, for the month of December 2022. But as is customary, uh, we will wrap things up by just doing a, a little little review, uh, just citing any titles that we think we might actually end up buying <clears throat> or seeking out for whatever reason or another. Uh, so I'll give Brad a minute to collect himself, but I'll work my way backwards through the list and just uh, throw out my picks right here and now. Um, so... Uh, the Lair, if I can find it for free, I ain't paying a fucking nickel for this, but if I can find it for free, sure, I'll watch that. Uh, Lieutenant Jangles did look fun, but I, I'm not, I'm not gonna buy that. Um, sorry, Brad, you're alone in your appreciation of Bat Pussy. Um, <laughs> love the title, though, love the title. Yeah. Cover art's fun, too. Uh, Terrifier 2, I'm also not going to be buying that. I generally don't buy horror films, although I have nothing against the genre. I actually do like horror films quite a lot. I just, for whatever reason, don't buy them. Uh, So I'm not going to pick that up, but I really do want to see it, and I definitely will see it. Um, What else we got? Uh, Blood Fist. You know what? I think I'm going to pull the trigger on Blood Fist. Uh, Paradise City. If it gets down to twelve dollars or less, <laughs> I am I I'm calling it now. I am buying it. It is going to happen. A uh, Fist of Legend on Blu-ray is actually something I should own, but it's not something I need to own because, like I said, I do have the Blu-ray or the the DVD rather, um, and I don't know when I'm going to get around to rewatching it, being as there's so many other good martial arts movies just on the horizon. Um, the Roundup, uh, the Ma Dong Suk, a headline Korean gangster film. Fuck yes. I'm surprised I don't own it yet. Uh, maybe I should go buy it right fucking now. Because uh, really, that, that's been one of my most anticipated for a hot minute now. Um, yikes. <laughs> um, yeah, Highlander 4K, skipping it. Um, Carrie... I want to watch it, but I don't need to own it. Again, horror's not really my jam when it comes to purchasing movies. Um, Mad God, I already picked up. Um, And I think that's it for me, Brad. Very thin month as far as absolute purchases go. But hey, I got the roundup. I have that to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kind of a big month for me, weirdly enough. Uh... I mean, I already have Black Christmas on 4K. Um, Pulp Fiction is a probably wait for a drop in price, but that's one I should definitely get. Uh, I did already get Better Call Saul Complete Series. The Michael Haneke Trilogy, maybe the next Criterion sale, uh, either the Barnes & Noble or the uh, Criterion website sale. 
Uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night collection is a must-own for me, just because I have to... Gotta keep that Vestron uh, collection complete. Uh, Smile, I was gifted, so I already have Smile. Uh, Spider is uh, David Cronenberg's Spider, one I want to pick up as well, but probably wait for a drop in price on that one. Um, let's see. Uh, Banshees of Inisherin. I really want it, but I, I don't know if I should buy it and get burned on a potential future 4K or... <laughs> Interesting that a lot of the Searchlight pictures, um, because the menu is coming to Blu-ray only as well, and the menu is a kind of a fairly modest hit. I would have suspected a 4K for that, so I don't know if Disney's not releasing these on 4K, so maybe it is worth just picking that up on Blu-ray. Tar, I'll be buying. uh, I might get House of the Dragon on 4K, too. I, you know... I just had Christmas. I got some gift cards. Let's go. Let's, let's go, baby. Um, and then Halloween ends. I will get at some point just to complete my 4K set of that trilogy. And uh, Terrifier 2, I'll at some point probably pick that up as well. Um, so a lot I'll be getting once they drop in price. But a few, a uh, few I've already grabbed. So it's it's kind of a big month. Yeah, it's kind of funny how that works out. Yeah. That's part of why it's fun to do this show is that very few picks for me, a lot of picks for Brad. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we all have our own collections. Um, but, yeah, uh, Halloween ends. Uh, definitely wait for it to drop below 45 fucking yeah, dollars. There's Jesus. no chance that I'm going to spend that much for it. God, I'm really curious now. I didn't, I didn't know that until he pointed it out, but that is bizarre. Yeah, like from from like a small label or something. I I could see that, but but, whoa! Like, did they like grossly underproduce this disc or something? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I I don't need it. Yeah, that I know. Bad. I know it's not a very well liked film, but it's Halloween. People will buy it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very odd. There are like a lot of uh, like Target exclusives, Walmart exclusives. Um, like you know, there's some different versions. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But yeah, I'm not going to pay that much uh, for the standard. Yeah, like I mean, tinfoil hat says maybe like a manufacturing error or something. Oh, maybe like yeah. there was a, a botched printing or something. Yeah. And so there's like currently few of them available. I don't know, but I'm very very curious. But yeah, yeah, big month for Brad, not so big for me. But hopefully next month uh, there's a lot of interesting picks. Um, and uh, thanks so much for. Uh, listening to this episode i know these aren't exactly everybody's uh, cup of tea um but clearly brad and i have a lot of fun doing them but uh thanks brad uh for joining me uh, it's always a lot of fun having you uh to bounce ideas off of and it's a lot of fun being able to just compare notes about these things because you have a lot of insight into a lot of these titles that i absolutely do not hey right back at you some of the some of the titles here i've never even heard of and you're you're schooling me on them, so it's you know it's good to have that back and forth. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm the resident Blood Fist expert who is exactly. yet to see a Blood Fist film. <laughs> uh, that being said, uh, Brad, before we go, do you want to let the folks at home know where they can find you and your very amazing podcast? Yeah, it's the Cinema Speak podcast. So we're on uh, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find your shows. You can follow us on Twitter at the Cinema Speak. On Instagram, Cinema Speak Podcast, and on YouTube as Cinema Speak. 
Um, and uh, you can find us on the web at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. Very nice. And uh, I know this gets annoying after a while, but Brad, do you have any videos in the pipe? Nothing in the pipe right now. I'm waiting until the new year, and then I'm going to start uh, going to start working on it, start chipping away. Okay, well, let me know if you need help with editing or anything, because I know that that is a big hurdle to get over. Shooting the fucker, that's one thing. Yeah. Actually putting the thing together after the fact, oh, it's a totally different yeah. thing altogether. Uh, but yeah, thanks for that, Brad. Um, as for myself, uh, you can find uh, all of our episodes collected on catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find uh, us on the social medias uh, in the form of the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. So fucking Google it. And that being said, thanks so much for listening. And we will catch you next time and next year. Bye.